Good morning, everyone. It would be crazy if someone had a reflection on the reflection and you just kept going. It's reflections all the way down. Um, hi, I'm David, and um, I just had a quick reflection on what Tom Cade talked about last week. And to remind you real quick, he, he showed us that in Mark, at least, when um, when Mark tells the story about how those guys brought their paralyzed friend and they go and they have to get him to Jesus, and there's so many people around, and it's all packed in this room, so their solution is to break through the roof, right? It doesn't just say, oh, you know, they, they dug through it, they broke through it. It in, in the original language, it says they unroofed the roof, which was really kind of interesting. And he, he ran with that and he talked about how we can, you know, unfear the fear, we can unawkward the awkward. Um, and so I'm going to kind of go a little bit further with that because... It started me thinking about how God very often doesn't change our circumstances or change our position before he does something in us and and through us. He specifically, on purpose, uses where we're at and what we have to do things that would, you know, ourselves and the people around us and the world around us would consider impossible. So I'm just going to give you a few examples of that and then um, kind of ask a a big question that we can all kind of take home. Um, so the first example that kind of popped into my head, I think, as I was listening and re-listening to Tom K's message was the symbol of the cross. Like, for a very long time, the cross was the Roman Empire symbol of terror and of fear, and they would crucify hundreds or thousands of people just along the road, and they would just be left up there as uh, an example of what happens if you rebel against the empire and it was the way it was a horrible way to die but in addition to just being painful it was humiliating it was degrading it was dehumanizing and that is what it symbolized what ended up happening is the cross today has become a symbol of victory over death it's still literal, literally a symbol of death but what Jesus took it and made it into was a symbol of victory. So that's an example, I think, in just worldwide of what God can do. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1, there's another great example where Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. And elsewhere, Paul actually boasts in his weakness on purpose. He said, in my weakness, God is made strong. And that's a really important point that I think highlights what I'm talking about here. It's not that God makes us strong and then he can use us. Although he can and does use strength, he takes us in our weakness and uses our weakness to achieve things that would otherwise be impossible. Another example in Matthew 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, the gentle, the restrained, the humble, different translations say, for they will inherit the earth. Now, our culture, our world, and and frankly, large portions of our Christian culture do not really give anything other than lip service to the idea of gentleness, of of restraint, of quietness. Um, very often in, in the more the male side of it, people is like, oh, women are supposed to be quiet, but men are supposed to be loud. But it's not a gender. Gentleness is not a gendered fruit of the spirit. It is what Christians are supposed to be. Paul says in Philippians that our gentleness spirit is to be shown and known to all men. And God uses gentleness. God uses quiet quietness. He uses that to achieve great things. And the next example, um, in James 4, James 4 says, he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Now, this is a really big one because we often really get confused about what humility means. Humility does not mean you are constantly down on yourself. You beat yourself up. You're just saying, oh, you know, I'm terrible. It doesn't mean, oh, you know, this other person is way smarter than me, Tom K. Uh, (laughs) What it means is you have a very straightforward and you have a realistic and honest sense of what you have and what you are. And biblically speaking, it's especially in the light of God. It is humble to say, I cannot save myself because that is true. It is not humble to say, oh, I'm a terrible person and God hates me, because that's not true. Um, so our culture, and not just our you know worldly culture, our Christian culture often kind of walks into this idea of strengthen and then God can use you. Strengthen yourself and then God can do great things. And it's not bad to to take care of your body. It's not bad to, to, to work. It's not bad to have money. You can use these things and glorify God with them. But our focus should not be first to get things and then we serve God. Because God is generally does the opposite. God uses weakness to achieve great things. He uses those with a humble heart to shock the world. And he uses what isn't to achieve what needs to happen. And so the big question that I want us to go home with, maybe two questions, but they're related, is am I focused on becoming what I'm not and then I'll glorify God, then I'll serve God? Or am I mindful of how I can serve God with what I have now? 